Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're in the doghouse, and we're here to talk Mississippi State sports here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to the doghouse, brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm your host, David Murray, and the game that's about to start... Well, before we get to that, let's talk about the games that are finished. In the last couple of weeks, Bulldog basketball has completed both their seasons. Chris Jan's Bulldogs, 21-game winners for the regular season. We'll get to the play-in round of the NCAA tournament where, darn, if that tip had gone in, you think about the matchup with Iowa State and what could have been possible, they might even still be playing tonight. Well, no, they're not, but in all serious considerations, a successful first season for Jan's and a team that – he scratched together, uh, pulled about as much offense out of as conceivably would be found there, got them to play great defense, got them to play together most of the time in a very good SEC, as the postseason has also shown. So just a great job by Chris Chan's first year, and now it's on to recruiting the transfer portal, and uh, most important recruiting would be the re-recruiting of Tulu Smith, which of course was the same case last year. I don't even want to think about what Jan's first season would have been had Tooley decided to move on to either another school or pro ball after last season. Well, he didn't. He's been rewarded by a first-team All-ACC as well as a bunch of other honors and great consideration now for what his post-college career is going to be. So good job, Tolu. Plenty of dogs coming back. Uh, a fair number of moving on, of course, but this is what the portal's about. I mean, it's not so much about building a program anymore, at least as far as your roster goes. It's about assembling a roster every year, getting them to play as a program, and I think Chris Chance is ideally suited for that, though maybe not quite as ideally as Sam Purcell is. Mercy, the job he did this season. You know, we've commented before that uh, Sam Purcell, unless something really amazing happens with spring sports, and I mean all the spring sports, we want to be fair, has to be considered the coach of the year for Mississippi State in the 2022-23 athletic season. Just the job he did taking a program that was um, physically, emotionally, mentally broken pulling them together, surviving a couple of really bad SEC losses to start that conference season, sneaking into the NCAAs, and then making most of their opportunity with a play-in round game win, a first-round game win, and then just, if they had one more day's rest, just one more day's rest. I think they pull off a victory against Notre Dame, and they're playing this weekend. Well, they're not, but that doesn't take it away from just a marvelous job done by Sam Purcell's squad. And now he, too, starts looking at the future. Of course, the uh, NCAA's transfer portal, I believe the number's, what, 60 days from the end of conference tournament, so that would be about May 10th through 11th when the next portal window opens up. Of course, recruiting is going on. Players are already announcing that they're leaving, even if it's not officially out there. Uh, I'm not sure there's really any window anymore. It's just uh, who you can wave down passing by those windows and have them ready to go as soon as the official signing periods open up. But a great job by Bulldog basketball all around, just a great season, and just a great time to think about the future of both Bulldog men's and women's basketball. But for, before we get into the uh, spring sports, as well as some fall talk, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting needs this postseason. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game and trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from the live games to the conference championships right through to the Final Four and championship game at very self. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this postseason. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50%, that's right, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
Please be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, all caps, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus, 50% bonus. Remember, betonline.ag, where the game starts. All right, what's starting now? Well, let's say restarting because Bulldog football is practicing on this Thursday. They return to camp on Tuesday after taking the spring break. Of course, we reported on the two workouts they had prior to the campus break and gave a pretty full rundown both here on the website, jeanspage.com, as well as our podcast talking about the offense, receivers, delved more this past week into the offensive line, what's happening there between Cole Smith, Stephen Lasoya, and others interior. I think a lot of guys are going to be using a lot of positions this spring to develop both depth and versatility, but the main thing is They sure seem a lot more comfortable in Kevin Barbe's offense where, well, the wide splits thing of the Mike Leach era, okay, there was some overplaying of that, but there was also some truth to it. And now that you've got an offensive line, and uh, let's be honest too, most linemen that Mississippi State is going to sign are pass, I'm sorry, run blockers first. That's just the nature of the beast you're going to get, especially here in the Deep South. Yes, there's those great tackles that are excellent uh, pass blockers, but they're recruited by the entire nation, maybe more so even than quarterbacks. So you start out with guys who are used to plowing straight ahead, as the song goes, come what may, and then you develop them into pass blocking as needed. Well, Mississippi State has tried to reverse that trend the last couple of years for the air raid offense. I'm not going to say it was a failure because it certainly this past season showed good results, although it could have been better, obviously, with a more balanced run game. The news for us old-timers is not only is the offensive line getting back into more run-blocking type schemes. In fact, I commented a couple of shows ago that when the first play seen on 11-on-11 ball for spring camp is a running play, that's not just a change from the Mike Leach era. That's a change from the Joe Moorhead era, even the Dan Mullen era. And Dan Mullen was a run-the-ball guy. Spring is so much about throwing the ball that when Kevin Barbe comes out and has his offense team-on-team team run the first play a straight-off handoff to Jaquavius Marks, well, that kind of sends a signal that things are a-changing for Bulldog football. Are they going to get away from the pass? Of course not. But it's, they want to get more into the run game and get it done first is your foundation then start developing as it goes on. Of course, um, one change in media coverage for camps, whereas we had full access those first two practice days two weeks ago, this week practice observations by media is limited to just 20 minutes starting, which will include stretching and other things. So um, not quite the quantity or quality of information that you're used to getting. We have to think fast, look fast, talk fast, maybe even make up fast on the fly. But, uh, hey, it's spring football. Y'all love anything we give you out there, too. I don't know if that's going to change in coming weeks. I would expect to, especially once they get into full contact. And I believe this, the schedule's not been set. We'll get next week's schedule probably sometime Sunday. But I've got to think that next weekend we'll see the first full scrimmage. And we will definitely pass along to y'all, whether it's an open scrimmage or media is going to be able to cover it intact. Mike Leach had no problem with it. And of course, Zach Garnett was the coordinator under Leach, and he saw that his boss didn't care if media watched or didn't watch. So be very curious to see how that turns out. But we want to see as much as we can because there's a lot to be looking for about this team. You can go back to my story this week, not just offensive line. I want to know what's happening at safety, particularly on the defensive side, because that's going to be so much of the key to the defensive improvement. And the interior line, the defensive ends, 
The linebackers, good shape. And even though Emmanuel Forbes, oh, goodness, watching him stroll the sidelines with the pack he brought back from his NFL combine trip, you just think, guy, you could have one more year here. You could just send back that backpack, you know, and never mind. Uh, Cornerbacks should be easier to plug in. Just fix the safeties. And I think the defense will be in solid shape this year. So we want to watch the development of more receivers, uh, the variations in the run game, just all sorts of things. And oh, by the way, obviously, with a run or pass, the increased use of tight ends in this offensive system. Well, they'll have three practices again next week. We'll be updating you on the schedules in the following weeks. Of course, spring game is April 15th on Scott Field. Weather permitting, I note that because remember last year's spring game was literally washed out. Not that we'd have seen a whole lot anyway, based on how Mike Leach approached those events. I think Zach Garnett takes them a little more seriously. But you and I know any wise coach, given his druthers, would rather have a real scrimmage than a split squad game because you learn so much more about your team. And we fans and media know that too. Well, we'll let that play out as it does. But Bulldog football is back to work with three practices this week, three more scheduled next week and beyond. And then, of course, they have the Easter break to work around on April 7th, 8th, and 9th. Now, as to games, where the game starts. For Mississippi State, it's a restart. It better be a restart because the beginning of SEC season went about as badly as it could for the Diamond Dogs. I still hark back. I was not at Kentucky. Our working team of Steve Robertson and Robbie Falk were there. And uh, they were shuffling through the cold weather. Uh, Their blood is much younger than mine, so I guess they were better fit for it. But what happened Saturday and Sunday would chill the blood of most Diamond Dog fans as those games just totally got away from Mississippi State, first pitching and then offensively as well. But you think back to Friday night when Gerangelo Sanji comes out, Gives up a couple of walks, a couple of hit batsmen, just one hit, four runs. State digs itself into a hole, manages to pull out, take a lead. And the second-guessing question of the weekend, and if the season goes sideways, you may be looking back at the first night of the season for this same question all along. Should Casey Hunt have gone back out to begin that inning after successfully escaping a jam the previous inning? Now, I'm going to be honest. I've covered a lot of state coaches, a lot of state pitching coaches. I have yet to work around a pitching coach here who did not at some level think, especially on a Friday night or in case may be Thursday night when you're starting a series, if I can just milk this receiver, a reliever, an extra out or two, an extra inning or two, then I'm really in great shape for Saturday and Sunday. That's just the thing. It's the way they tend to think. And frankly, us fans tend to think the same way. Well, what happened last weekend may have settled that question for a while because at this point, when you're in an 0-3 hole, uh, what's the first rule? Don't dig it any deeper. Well, now you're hosting a Vanderbilt team that you don't even need to hand a shovel to. They could really give you some trouble. And if Mississippi State does not come out of this weekend at least 2-4 and four SEC, then we've got some serious, serious concerns how the rest of the season is going to play out. Of course, Vanderbilt will be heavily favored. And here is Mississippi State trying to figure out yet again what they're going to do with the pitching rotation. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but a reminder that the game times are 6 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 1 o'clock. Yes, I've looked at the weather. It looks like late Friday evening the rain's going to come in, and this being Thursday night, 
You've got a little time to let that forecast still develop. At this point, according to Steve Robertson, there's no plan to move the game up from its scheduled 6 o'clock start time. But stay tuned. Saturday looks fine. No problem getting that game in, and Sunday as well. So uh, no double headers should be required unless this weather front just really all of a sudden accelerates. All right, the obligatory weather deal out of the way. Oh, by the way, um, also this weekend, Saturday's game features the fifth member of the Ron Polk Ring of Honor, Mark Gillespie, Tommy Raffo, Ken Tatum being inducted formally into the Mississippi State Baseball Shrine out there in right field. I believe that they will start clearing Addiction Plaza about noon for a 12.30 ceremony ahead of the 2 o'clock game time. Okay, we've gone through that. Let's talk about the weekend. You know, okay, let's talk about last weekend in this sense. Five teams got swept on opening weekend of the SEC play. I could, but I just don't feel like doing it right now. Maybe not ever look up the last time there were five sweeps on an SEC weekend, particularly on an opening weekend. By the way, two of those teams that got swept are playing tonight. So somebody's going to get their first win uh, Thursday evening when Georgia plays at Auburn. Otherwise, there's only one example right now this weekend where a team that got swept is going to play a team that swept. That is, of course, Mississippi State, 0-3 against Kentucky, hosting Vanderbilt, 3-0 against Ole Miss. Yeah, the pressure's on there. Oh, by the way, the highlight series of the weekend, if you're just a casual SEC fan, if that's not the ultimate contradiction in terms, is Arkansas at LSU this weekend, a showdown at the top of the SEC West. Uh, Mississippi State is nowhere near the top of the SEC West, and this is the weekend they've got to somehow come out of it avoiding the seller. Uh, they're in a three-way tie at the bottom right now, and misery loves company. But you'd love even more to get out of that misery and start cracking your way up the ladder a little bit. And I think it's almost absolutely going to take two victories. Can the Bulldogs do it? Well, up until a week or so ago, I'd have said, yeah, excellent chance because the offense was playing really well and it looked like you were starting to get the rotation put together. Well, the offense has cooled off, or a couple of guys have cooled off in general. We see some people maybe finding more comfortable roles. But the starting pitching, I mentioned Sanja. If he doesn't get that awful first inning at Kentucky, who knows how the entire weekend plays out. And maybe State gets blown out the next two games anyway. I don't think so. I think the shock of losing that game reverberated through the last weekend because it was such a shot to the confidence, especially losing it on an extra inning wild pitch. All the things that does to confidence, i.e. nothing good, had to just carry on through the weekend. Now, they bounced back and whipped a bad Arkansas State team this past Tuesday night, but that's more of a brush-up kind of game. I don't think that has any impact on what's going to happen Saturday other than the fact that Bradley Lofton went enough innings that he's definitely not going to be in the rotation weekend. Will he in the future? If he can cut down on the walks, I think definitely so. But right now, it's going to be Sanja coming back on Friday, staying in that rotation role. Now, there was some thought that reliever Nate Dome, who has not thrown since last Friday, in fact, he's only thrown 19.1 innings total this season, I believe, might move into a rotation role. He's not listed there right now, except there's only two starters listed. Landon Garten will get the start on Saturday, if, again, if all things stay the same. And good old TBA is the third pitcher. I would not read too much into that. 
In fact, I would not read too much into it had Dome been listed as a starter for Saturday or Sunday. Why is that? Because if Mississippi State finds itself in position late in the game to win on Friday night, you don't hesitate to run Dome out there. I'm sorry. I know you want to think about series, and I, yes, myself, have said you've got to win at least two games, but you can't win two if you don't win the first one. Mississippi State has got to come out and play it game by game and start putting wins together. If that means using Dome and burning the chance to start him on Saturday, possibly even use him at all the rest of the weekend, I don't care. You fire your best gun. Now, there is some good news in the bullpen as far as that goes. Uh, Larry Nixon got a couple outs on Tuesday for his first action since, I believe, February 19th. Is he anywhere near ready to go for an SEC batting order? Well, only by putting him out there can you tell, and that's not a guessing game anybody wants to play at this particular moment. But his availability, certainly in coming weekends, impacts on what Dome will be used as. I think State, if they need him, they'll throw Dome on Friday. But if he does not have to throw on Friday, then you could come back and start him on Saturday. Like I said, he hasn't thrown since last Friday in Kentucky. Now you have the option. You can save Gartman for Sunday, which may actually be his better role in that regard. Or, or of course, Mississippi State is hoping to get Cade Smith back at some point. He hasn't thrown since February 24th. You found a middle reliever, it looks like, in Evan Sierra, and you have other arms like Colby Holcomb and many more I could name through right now who are factoring into those middle relief roles. But as far as starting and as far as your best arm, it's Nate Dome right now. So if you don't have to use him Friday, I don't hesitate to put him out on the mound Saturday. You know, Pat McMahon's philosophy was the most important game of any series was game two. I don't know if Chris Lamonis agrees with that. Um, I don't even think it particularly matters because State really needs to do everything humanly possible to win the first one. But if you can't win the first one, then you've got to got to come back with your gun on Saturday, especially if there's any chance of weather being interfering it, which, as I said, doesn't look like it after Friday evening, but, you know, you never know. But that's just me talking. I mean, it's easy for me, the writer, to be a quasi-pitching coach out here. Hey, all my media peers do the same thing, and absolutely all you fans do the same thing. But that's just my thinking. I don't read too much of the fact that you don't see Dome listed in a rotation there. It just tells me they're going to use him whenever and whatever they can. And look at it this way, too. If he only has to throw a few pitches, certainly less than an inning or two on Friday evening, there's no real reason you can't bring him back on Sunday, depending on the pitch count, depending on the matchups, things like that. So you've got some options now. What doesn't look to be an option is Graham Eintma. He has just struggled lately, as have many Bulldogs, to be fair, but he's struggled with the control. Too many walks, too many pitches thrown, period, as far as balls and full counts. You know, I mentioned the uh, balls and full counts and things like that. I was grinding through the SEC stats today, and it's not fun at all. Mississippi State, here's an example, is by far the worst in the SEC when you combine wild pitches and hit by pitches. See, walks are one thing, and boy, is State giving away way too many walks, although not as many as you might think it is compared to a few other SEC staffs. I'm just using those extreme examples of when control goes, it really goes. And, of course, a wild pitch is what cost Mississippi State the losing run on Friday against Kentucky. 
Now, we can contribute some of that to the fact that now, increasingly, a freshman is being worked in at catcher. We know Ross Highfield's going to be a good player. He is already a good offensive player. It's his defense that was going to hold him back all this first year, which is true for most catchers I've known here with the with just a couple of exceptions that you and I could easily bring to mind. Just the fact that you're having to put a freshman out there in a changing rotation every weekend, that's not a recipe for defensive confidence, pitching confidence either, especially against SEC offenses. Still, that many wild pitches, that many hit-by-pitches, and of course the walks on top of it, you know, Lamonis made the comment that you come out of Kentucky in much better shape if you just stop giving away bases. But for some reason, Mississippi State can't stop giving away bases. A little better against Arkansas State, but still, that's a bad team, and you should have dominated even more than you did. I guess I'm getting a little picky in my old age there, but it's still just a bother. And, of course, Mississippi State pitching, this is not an excuse for them, believe me. But it can't help their mindset going up to the mound and saying, well, I'm just going to throw it and let them hit it and see what happens. Well, you've got the SEC's last place fielding defense, and combined defense has committed the most errors in the SEC through all these games. Oh, here's another factor, too. Some teams have twice as many double plays as the Bulldog defense does. Four or five teams, rattle that through your head just a little bit. That as many people as Mississippi State has put on base for free or had hit their way on, et cetera, and so forth, and yet you're that far down the list in turning double plays, what does that say about the efficiency and strength of your defensive team? Well, you know what it says about it, that it's not there. That's just too many bad things are happening when the ball is on the ground or the ball is put in play. And it's not just the infield. The outfield has its issues, and, of course, we've mentioned all the wild pitches, some of which could be called pass balls as well. Although I'm always going to be one to defend a catcher when a pitching coach tells his pitcher in a two-strike count and with a runner on third base to throw a hard slider. I'm sorry. That's on the pitching coach. That's not on the player. you just got to be smarter than that. And Scott Foxhall's far from the first to do it. Butch Thompson used to drive me nuts when he would do those, and it cost State several games, I remember, back in, what, 2009 and 2010 seasons. All right. Anyway, turning that aside, there's one more stat I'm going to throw at you there, where Mississippi State is last in the SEC, and and this one is eye-opening. Mississippi State is giving up the most steals in the SEC, and it's not close. 45 successful steals against State. Of course, State's been run on more than any team over 50 times. That in and of itself is bad enough. The second-place defense as far as allowing steals is Alabama with just 24. That's nearly 2-1 to difference between worst and next-to-worst. How are you giving up that many bases? Again, a young catcher. Uncertainty at the catching position, uncertainty at the pitchers, inability to hold runners. Uh, Of course, Kentucky was very aggressive, but they knew that. They're running double steals sometimes in games. Well, it just got away from the Bulldogs way too often. You see where I'm coming from. There are issues that have just ground on through this season and result in this hard and painful fact that Mississippi State has the fewest wins and the most losses in the SEC. I'm sorry, tied for the fewest wins, but definitely has the most losses. And yes, State's played a good schedule, but not some kind of overwhelming schedule. Now, 
I wrote a story, I believe it was Wednesday, posting Mississippi State's Ratings Power Index, the NCAA's official RPI. I was a little surprised to see them come in at number 50. I thought they'd be somewhere in the 60s, maybe worse, but nope, they're at number 50, uh, one spot behind Ole Miss, by the way, and a couple other SEC teams in the 40s. Of course, most of the SEC is sitting up there at, what, 2, 4, 9, 11, etc., and so forth. So 50 is not good. And 0-3 in the SEC is even worse. So what do you do? Well, you, you go out there and win the game. You play to win Friday night. You throw everything imaginable into that, start, short of using uh, maybe one more starter. But you can't hold anything back right now. Mississippi State needs to win, and not just to get back in the SEC standings. They need to win because they've got to regain confidence. That has really been missing because you see it in some hesitancy at the plate. You see it in some hesitancy, at, certainly in the pitching, even on the defensive side. When guys try to play too perfect, and it's natural, it's human, and these are college guys, I never blame a player for trying to do that. It's just the pressure getting in on them. Speaking of pressure, of course, Mississippi State's offense had been carrying them uh, to whatever extent possible in the previous several weeks and was close enough to pulling out the win at Kentucky the other night. And, and really, you look at the scoring totals, think that's not a bad weekend until you see that the Wildcats were double-digiting on the other side as the pitching just gave up run after run, and the offense, you know, Kentucky just forward to throw it, dare him to hit it, and knock it into defensive plays. A couple of dogs have cooled off, uh, but some of that was expected. I mean, Colton Ledbetter was not going to keep that pace up permanently. Hunter Hines is still delivering power, though the average has flattened off a little bit. It's uh, partly first seeing SEC pitching and partly just the fact they're a month into the season now, and some of these are still sophomores and freshmen or transfers new to this conference. But all that said, offense has got to come through. But what will Mississippi State do with the lineup which becomes that offense. Third base has become such an open question now. Slate Alford, you know he's got the offensive potential, but he struggled a little bit there, and his defense does not make up for it. David Mershon, who I think is still going to be a good one, maybe more a natural shortstop, but this year he's going to play at third base. Well, his offense just hasn't come through because he's been thrown in there as a new kid. So what are your other options at this point? I see all kind of names listed, and you know, Steve has suggested one or two possibilities, but any such move or change right now almost smacks of desperation because it means somebody who didn't develop at that position in fall ball and preseason. If you're making radical moves like that, then you have really dug yourself, uh, as I dare say it for another another time, into a hole. But what are the options? Now, outfielding – Part of the questions are you've got guys you know can hit, and, of course, you're confident now. You're going to leave Ledbetter out there, and obviously Kellen Clark with his power potential, though his average needs to keep creeping up. You've got Bryce Chance, who has taken over him to go to Jordan. But you know Dakota long-term is going to be a great player. You've got other outfielders who long-term could be great players, but there's no place in the order for them right now because D.H., is going to be a mix between Luke Hancock at first and Hunter Hines, who no sensible sane soul is going to take out of the order unless it's just to rest the kid. So you're kind of tying your hands right now, especially by committing to high field at catcher, and you want to leave Hancock in the lineup and the order. 
So the options aren't quite what they look like, unless you're talking about pinch hitting or late game substitutions. Yeah, then you have them. But as far as your options on putting a lineup together day by day by day to match up, uh, that's not so obvious at this point anymore. And at some point, you've just got to ride your best guys. You've got to be, as the coaching staff, pick your best guys on your honest beliefs. And you can certainly consult the players because, hey, if anybody knows who's good, players know who's good on their own team. Find out who they think and just ride them. Allowing for some left-right matchup situations, allowing for slumps and hot streaks. I understand all that. It's never set in stone, but you certainly want to set it a little bit more inky now and just use those guys and live and die by them. Because once you get into April, if you're changing your lineup still looking, looking, looking for defensive guys slash offensive guys and how to fit them in the order or get something out of this guy and that guy – you're almost beyond saving at that point. It's getting to the situation where Mississippi State's just simply got to pick their team and put them out on the field regularly, play them, and hope they put enough together to get it done. Well, they start finding out this week against Vanderbilt. Of course, the last time these programs met, uh, y'all may have been watching from long distance. I was certainly watching in person and savor it quite greatly. I understand by Mike Nemus of Good scouting report on Vanderbilt. There are two Commodores and three Bulldogs who started in those games in the College World Series. Of course, Mississippi State won it, won their national title, and uh, whatever's happened since then, I proudly wear that. In fact, I've got the cap on my head right now, one of two, in fact, celebrating the 2021 National Championship. That doesn't make up for what's happening on the field right now or even last season in that regard, but it simply means that let's not forget, this staff has won the ultimate championship. This staff has gone to Omaha repeatedly, in fact. They know how to coach a team, but have they figured out how to coach this team? And has this team figured out how to be coached? I think we start answering those questions in serious depth this weekend because after an 0-3 start, this is the test of character, of personality, but it's also a test of coaching and of talent. I mentioned watching the games. Well, the only way to watch it uh, this weekend is either be there in Polkman Stadium or follow the SEC Network's online feed. What do we see? Well, that's going to depend on what we come up with in our Monday morning overreaction column. But it is safe to predict that the Bulldogs don't come out of this weekend with a couple of victories and some renewed SEC momentum heading into the meat of conference season. Well, overreaction is going to be putting it mildly. But hey, We always come back to watch the games because it's Bulldog baseball. We always come back to talk Bulldog football because spring ball's underway for Zach Garnett and program. I've been in contact with the Bulldog Club about season ticket sales, and they said, uh, how about talk the first week of April? You know, the deadline is the end of March for reorders, but there's always a little grace period there where they contact people they know are going to buy tickets and say, okay, sign up now. Let's get it done. Get the numbers counted so we can start working on other ticket packages and what we're going to try to ask for from the four road games as well. We'll catch up with that in the future, but uh, preliminary word is that ticket sales for Zach Arnett's first full team are outstanding already. Maybe, in fact, that's worth a doghouse debate about um, why the enthusiasm is back for Bulldog football now. Well, why shouldn't it be, for one thing, but uh, still it's worth talking about. In fact, we'll probably do a column on it this coming week. But that's after we take care of Bulldog Baseball this weekend. Remember, game time 6, 2, and 1. And we'll be back to talk about it on Monday here in the Doghouse 
on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, David Murray, and thank you for our sponsor, betonline.ag. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.